The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews of the following program are solely of the individuals and are not the views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Are You Afraid Coven, the unofficial American Horror Story Coven internet radio show exclusively on Poppy Chulo Radio. Today is Wednesday, November 6th, 2013, and I'm your host, Poppy Chulo. Here on Are You Afraid Coven, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the hit FX series. We're going to deliver directly to you the biggest news regarding American Horror Story Coven. So you're going to get all of the casting scoops, episode titles, ratings reports, and spoilers during the latter half of the show. But don't worry, we're going to warn you with a spoiler alert. So please allow me to introduce to you my creepy and kooky co-host. First up, we have our own version of Queenie. She's our human voodoo doll. She goes by the name Cat Meow. You ain't shit. Now, last week you complained because I didn't call you Queenie. Well, I'm just saying, though, like, dang, you just gave me, like, especially after we just talked about her kneading bread dough, you can call me Queenie. (laughs) I fucking hate you so much. Yes. And next up, we have a gentleman who actually just before the show, he reattached his tongue into his mouth. We have Deadly. Yeah, call me Spalding Boo. (laughs) whatever deadly that was everything yes and last but not least uh we do not have dario with us tonight she's out uh, with a fearful pranks and suing and all that stuff raising up the dead licking um chili peppers flicking her tongue on it and all that stuff (laughs) you know playing with the jars mason jars of uh baby gravy so tonight filling in her a slot joining us for his debut here joining the coven for the first time we have american horror story coven fan this is actually the first installment of american horror story that he's ever seen and he loves it it's marshall levens hey guys how are you i'm glad to be here and i can't wait to talk about the show (laughs) okay (laughs) Before we get into the show, we've spoken about this in other broadcasts that uh, Marshall is on, so I'm sure he won't mind bringing it up here. But Marshall Evans actually has a close connection to American <laughs> Horror Story Coven. Oh, God. I have to say? I thought you were going to say. No, no, I'd rather you say it because I'd rather they go, ooh. <laughs> well, um, I did uh, Broadway and TV and film for. Uh, almost a decade, and my acting coach uh, for uh, school was actually Kathy Bates. So, wow! So did she kind of hobble people? (laughs) No, thank God. (laughs) No, um, the at 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 our school was kind of like 
you know, you audition first to get into the school. And then once you get into the school, you audition again. And they kind of put you on different levels. And um, I went to a musical theater school, actually. But one of the biggest components of that was to be able to do television, film, and Broadway acting without music. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, top, top, top level. They call it level there were level A, level B, level C. A's were supposed to be kind of people that they quote unquote felt were extremely, extremely talented or advanced skills or have been taught things and they were trying to take it to another level. It was really kind of brand new, it was a natural aim. And, uh, I was the only boy selected for top levels. And um, and one of the gifts of them was a professional uh, actor or actress. So my first year, I had Time Daly, who was amazing. Shout out to, I don't know if yeah. she was Cagney or Lacey, but shout out to her. <laughs> She's an amazing, amazing, amazing woman, but she was probably very, very, probably the hardest year I'd ever had in my life. Wow, please. I had to say my name five days in a row because I didn't say it right. Mm. Not see anything else just to say my name. Um, I had Kathy Bates, and she was probably the most inspirational, but she pushed the arts. She's probably one of the most difficult teachers that I have been, not in the fact that she was mean or made you do anything repetitive, but she kind of took you to darker places in your life and pulled out emotions that a lot of people are not willing to let go of and or want to show. But uh, because of that, you know, hey, before I even finished school, I had already booked my first Broadway show. So I'm very thankful to her. So well, we got to start with us. Good work, Poppy. Exactly. <laughs> and we're closer to Kathy Bates than we've ever been in our lives. Six degrees. Is it six degrees? Less than six degrees, I think, now. Yes. Uh, but she is very, very, uh, very, very, very talented. And a good cook. Yeah. Actually, she makes the best cornbread muffins i don't know what she does but like they're like hypnotic like you're like cornbread muffins she these ain't jiffy. The corn. you know you're like this ain't jiffy mm, so. pot pie too we saw her <laughs> making pot pie yes yeah, so and she we can make a, a mean peach see, cobbler we didn't <laughs> yes. see the peach cobbler yet oh. well i think she can make a good peach cobbler and she knows <laughs> how to hand out trick-or-treat candy oh right <laughs> she goes little bag of children did you see her take a candy and it. eat it yes i did because <laughs> i would have done the same thing She's such a great actress because her whole thing is about what what's reality. Like it's like everything to her is like, is that real? If that's not real, then don't do it. You know, it's not nothing's ever fake. I mean, I remember when she was teaching us, she was actually doing the movie Dolores Claiborne. And I remember being able to go to the set with her on a field trip and she literally went into this house and walked around this house for like two hours and opening cabinets and doing the same thing, opening cabinets, opening jars, opening. And we were like, she's losing her mind. You know, that was kind of our joke, like she's losing her mind. And then when it got time to actually record, she looked like she had been in this house and lived in this house for years. She knew where everything was. She didn't have to look. She didn't have to do anything. She knew the house. And it was like, the most inspirational thing that any actor can see someone who's that damn good at their craft. That's deep. Yeah. So 
Wow, that's what's up. Well, we're not going to open any drawers here tonight, but I no. suggest everyone get into their best Halloween costumes. Uh, maybe don a witch's hat because fearful pranks are going to ensue as we jump into episode 304, which is actually called Fearful Pranks Ensue and it aired on October 30th. 2013 we're going to start off here as we usually do by reading the press release for the episode which it's a it's a short press release fiona's choices rattle a decades-long truce between the salem witches and marie Laveau. the council of witchcraft pays a surprise visit to the academy with disturbing allegations so uh, let's get everyone's initial response to the episode without getting too deep into the episode because we're going to be talking about everything that happened because so much happened so i'm going to start it off because i usually go last i thought it was a pretty entertaining episode i felt that there was so much going on it almost i was almost hoping that it was one of those extended episodes because there was just too much going on we had a lot of plot development a lot of character development and um I really enjoy the Halloween episodes on American Horror Story. Every season they have one. Sometimes it's a two-parter. This season it's a two-parter. So I was looking forward to it, and it definitely lived up to the hype. What did everyone else think? We'll start off with our special guest co-host, Marshall. I actually really um, got lost. That's it. I'm so lost right now. <laughs> we'll I find just, you. I'm so lost because, you know, and I don't, but I will say I don't mind being lost. But if you ask me any questions except for like what was on the show and like just talk about that, I'm lost from the very beginning. So right now, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, all I saw was a head in a box, uh, people screaming in a bed that looked like they're going to have children. I was. Uh, people's faces melting off i don't know what the heck is <laughs> well don't worry we'll have delphine fix you some peach cobbler as we sort this out for you so uh cats meow what did you think of the episode it was i don't know <laughs> i liked it a lot i liked it a lot better than uh the last episode i felt like thank you jesus i really didn't have to like do anything drastic to my tv or like wash it down with bleach or whatever because it wasn't as shocking as last week's episode but i liked it it was definitely entertaining so you were disappointed there wasn't any incest and bestiality this week please i was i've made a i made a, a i guess a promise to myself of that anything else like that happened on TV on this episode, I was going to turn it off because that's just too much to deal with. That's entirely way too much shock to deal with just back to back to back. So, but whatever. What about you, Diddley? Well, I felt like it was clearing things up for me a little bit. I mean, I love the whole council thing. Uh, I love those three. Love the whole uh, Spalding backstory. So things are kind of clearing up for me. I mean, the whole tea parties, zombies. We even had zombies. It was a Walking Dead meets American Horror Story. Yeah, it was the best episode yet for me. Fantastic. Well, let's jump into the episode. And this is one of those episodes where it's kind of difficult to break up the storylines because a lot of the characters sort of uh, intertwined with each other in different ways. But I'm going to try to break it down per, per storyline, even though some of the storylines were, were kind of... Um, 
shorter than they usually are. So we'll start off with Spalding and um, the episode started off with a bit of a flashback to the end of uh, last week's episode where we have Spalding in his room with a whole bunch of human-like dolls and he's ready for tea because I guess that's what you do when you don't have a tongue. And he hears all this commotion coming from downstairs. So he goes down and then he sees what Fiona did. She slices Madison's throat and uh, she's dead on the ground. And he starts picking everything up. Later on, we see that he is once again setting up for tea. He's got all the dolls around him. He's got his teapot and teacups and all that stuff. Then this time around, he decides to don, I don't know if it was a muumuu, I don't know if it was a kimono, I don't know if it was just a nightdress, but he enjoys little cross-dressing or role-playing, whatever he's doing. And he's not only got a dress for himself, but he's a kind host, and he has a dress for the body of Madison. So I don't know what he's going to do with Madison, but I am perplexed and uh, intrigued. So what did everyone think of Spalding in the present day? We'll start off with Cat's Meow. See, damn it, I knew you was gonna ask me. <laughs> I don't to be honest with you. Okay. I liked his backstory. I liked the fact that they really showed like, hey, this is why he's still around. This is why, you know, he's been doing all this stuff and he hasn't said anything. Um, as far as the whole Madison thing, I saw it coming. Um, and I don't know. I, Stuff like that makes me uncomfortable. So this is definitely something that was hard for me to kind of watch. And I'm not really looking forward to seeing what else does he have planned for her body. But something ain't right. I'm, I'm just going to make sure I'm not going to trust another grown man that has tea time. So, period. <laughs> Ever. If any, if any male tells me that they have tea time, I can't fuck with you. <laughs> so, period. God. I have to agree. I'm sorry. If any male tells me, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I like I like me some green tea, but you know, if you come in with a moo moo, we have a problem. We we can't we can't kick it like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You are but, too much. <laughs> but I will tell you, though, once again. That'll be my word for the night. I'm one of those people when I watch a show, I you know I I, I really am so into storyline and I want to know what's going on and I get aggravated really quickly. But for this show last night, literally my keyword phrase for the whole night was "What the hell?" So <laughs> as soon as I see, you know, when I saw the dolls, I was like, okay, he's special, and that's okay because there's a whole lot of people on this show that are special. So that didn't disturb me. But seeing a dead body, and then he's having tea with the dead body, and then he had makeup her, didn't he? He put makeup on her and did her hair. I think he had makeup as well. Girl, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that that's not that's not special. That's not no special shit right there. That's some crazy. Well, what are you shit. supposed that's... to do when you don't have a tongue? 
Well, I think oh, you don't not have carrying it. around makeup and put it on corpses. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's, like that's really, seriously, that's some crazy madness. And and that was just. And I'm confused because I don't understand why he has to have the body. I don't. It, there's too many other crazy people in the show, so I don't understand why everybody has to be crazy. Because at this point. Everybody on this fucking show is crazy. <laughs> Every single person actually, on this fucking show is crazy. I w- I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to agree with you. I didn't like the fact that they made him into the creepy dude that is going to be having, who knows, some type of relationship with this dead body of this young girl. That's, I think that's... That's too many people are crazy in this in this TV show. Yeah, I mean, everybody... She's above age, though. I'm <laughs> just saying... Well, okay, yeah, okay, fine. But there's too many, like, right now, there's, like he said, there's too many fucking crazy people. There's too many people with so many fucked up stories. It's hard to kind of focus on the TV show itself because, because you're like, just, oh. yeah, every TV show that I've ever known had at least one straight man. Like, and then, you know, at this point, the girl that I thought was straight, you know, was the straight man of the show. She crazy as hell, too. So it's like, what the hell? Like, everybody is crazy. So if and if and I read witch books all the time, I do. I they I just think that they're very interesting and fascinating. Not that I want to be a witch. Not that I want to be around those crazy motherfuckers. I'm just saying I like the books. I don't need. Well, <laughs> I think he's just. I think he's just misunderstood. I kind of. I found the little tea party. I know. I I got got me more endeared to uh, Spalding. Mm-hmm. So, so you were one of them. I knew you were special. I knew it. <laughs> Well, he does have a name, Deadly. Deadly, exactly. <laughs> so, so Deadly, and okay, I've not had I've not had a tea party since I'm I'm a grown man. But I, you know, my aunt Joetta used to always have tea parties when I was a kid, and so I, I get I get the whole tea party appeal. So I you would RSVP. Check the closet. Check the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been for my sister for two days. <laughs> no, okay. Oh Lord. Okay, so we know that. Um, Dudley would RSVP to Spalding's parties. So let's move into the other really short storyline for the episode, which was Zoe and Frank and Kyle. We uh, reunite with them still at um, his old house in the Ninth Ward. He's banging his bloodied face against the tub in the bathroom and in comes zoe being zoe and um she's like kyle kyle and then he finally sort of says another word kyle and then he says no kyle no kyle no kyle and um she's i guess she thinks that he must be hungry i don't know how she got that idea but she decides to make him some food she's sort of whipping up a tuna salad and she notices rat poison so uh, you know we basically can put two and two together she puts the rat poison inside of the tuna salad because that was the extra ingredient to give it that little kick and uh, when she goes into the bathroom he's gone so she you know searches the house she goes out the door and she realizes that it's halloween and apparently in new orleans you can start trick-or-treating in the middle of the afternoon because everyone's (laughs) dressed up and then in a nice wink to season one we saw a car drive by and it's uh, a man was in the car that had the same sort of skeleton makeup that uh evan peters's character wore in season one i saw that i saw that Uh that was a nice Nice little wink. At- okay, oh, hold on. I just have to 
just acknowledge the fact that you you call him Frank and Kyle. Well, yeah, because he's kind of like Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was Marshall is up. everything. He is too much. <laughs> he really is. He's just too much. Where have you been on my life? <laughs> Radio All Star. I'm still laughing. He said Frank and Kyle. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, not much happened with the storyline, but uh, what did everyone think of it, and what do you think is going to come from this? Because now we have Frank and Kyle roaming the streets. It is Halloween, so, I mean, not that many people are probably going to look twice at a, you know, a teen-looking kid, uh, you know, with what could be, you know, fake blood on his face, or, you know what I'm saying? He looks like, I mean, he'll fit in during the day that day so what did everyone think of this very brief storyline uh-uh nope you already know <laughs> you already know how i feel about zoe and her constantly watery ass eyes i'm over this <laughs> i I'm didn't over this whole storyline i'm with exactly. you exactly thank you it should even be on the show because it's so ridiculous to it's me like it's the- really boring and the fact that she like bitch you created you like this monster Nicks in the wood no, like, she decided to take Kyle back to his mama's house. No one, damn well, bitch, he's dead. If he was in a million pieces, and all of a sudden he's resurrected, like, how do you think that was going to sit? Okay, something wasn't right. You stupid for even doing that in the first place. And then now you want to poison him and get rid of him? Bitch, boo-bye. You, <laughs> lay in, just make your bed. You do a search, it's too bad. Just lay in your bed, because, bitch, you done made it already. You done made it, go ahead and lie in it and do what you need to do. Get your freak on whatever the fuck you're going to do in that bed. Just realize that that is your bed. He is now your problem. That's your fault. Don't try to yeah. kill him off. I, I'm sorry I'm 100% with you, but I don't even want to go down the road. I just feel like they didn't, for me, they didn't want to let the two of them go. And so they decided to write a storyline. And that's the way exactly. it's coming across. It's I felt so across, happy. I felt so not, happy, Jesus, when I, when I saw that they didn't come back to that story. Because I didn't give a fuck about the story. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, my thing is, okay, Frank and Kyle. Okay, that's a cute little name. But Frank and <laughs> Kyle, you know, <laughs> that whole thing is like, okay, well... Okay, you brought him to the house. He killed somebody. You want to kill him off. You're not going to do that. So, of course, the obvious thing is they're going to have him get away and he's going to be roaming the streets. And I'm sure he's going to probably kill a few people. And then that's the storyline is, oh, my gosh, she's going to have a teary mess because she's going to have to kill him. That's really all that is. Stupid storyline. Let's move well, on. All she's got to do is give him the pussy. Well, <laughs> ew, let's she not better don't. She better don't. Well, well, she better watch it first because Mama had first already. Oh, it's be more exciting than what's going on already. Yeah, she's got to wash him first because <laughs> Mama's had him already. Y'all nasty. I'm going to bed. That is that whole storyline. Also, was very disturbing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, I agree with that. You know, anyone pounding their head on a bathtub, I I can't watch stuff like that. I'm like, oh, it, that, that, yeah. that's just a can't scare. watch it's, people pound their heads on the bathtub. No, nah, I just <laughs> on the toilet deadly on the oh, toilet. Oh, okay, the toilet, whatever he was doing, I just yeah, I couldn't even way. watch it. <laughs> it's just it's too much. It's too many. Once again, it's so it's so many characters, but all of them are crazy. She crazy for thinking it's okay to create a monster. She crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out if if where I'm, I'm I'm the same. I'm lost. I don't know where the storyline gonna go if they're. If they they're gonna do kind of like the Frankenstein story, is she gonna be like the bride of Frankenstein? I don't I don't know what's going on with it. 
I'm with you guys about this. Yeah, I really don't have anything else to add to this conversation because you've all sort of said it. I have no idea where this is going, so I guess we'll have to see what happens next week. On to the next sort of short storyline that uh, the episode had. We learned that Cordelia's husband is away on business. They're having a normal phone conversation. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm over here. Oh, oops. Uh, My meeting is here. And he hangs up on her and his meeting turns out to be this beautiful redhead. Her name is Kaylee. She's played by another American Horror Story regular, Alexandra Alexander, yeah, Alexander Breckenridge, who she played the young version of the maid in. Uh, I thought that was her. Yes. And uh, yeah, they are very familiar with each other. And then they get into probably some of the roughest consensual sex that we've seen on American Horror Story. And I thought she was going to pull out the wrap it up box. I'm not going to lie. Like, that means a few, it's a thing off of the Chappelle show. It's like music that plays like when someone needs to wrap something up. I thought that's what was going to happen because it was such a weird sex scene. Like I thought he was choking the bitch out at first. Like, damn, I wish I was her for a second. But then like it didn't feel right afterwards. Oh, my God. Like, did you see like, did you see the way he was looking at her? And they hear the nerdy be like, ha, like, no, bitch, ha yourself. Get the fuck off me. You're yeah, what crazy. was that about? Like, he was ground surprised he didn't start barking and shit. Like, like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, he's then they crazy. have an interesting have conversation. Have we not gotten to this yet? He's crazy. Everybody on this show is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay? She's <laughs> crazy. I mean, the man... The, I, I, saw, I knew that man was crazy from the first episode. When he first came out and he was like, oh, well, but you have powers. That's how we can have... You're crazy! Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm not I go to my other half and say, "Oh, let's draw a line with 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 what what was that gasoline and half fire, and then let's fuck." That ain't happening. That's not yeah. happening. So if you're doing all that with snakes crawling around, you're crazy. So I'm not surprised that he was banging her like that was the last bang he was ever gonna have. It really was. And then they have a weird conversation. She goes on to talk about how she loves Halloween because it gives people the permission to be who they really want to be. And then she asks him, who were you last year? And he said, me. I was a monster. And yeah, that was kind of bizarre. And then they have this weird conversation about buying sushi and vending machine. I had no idea what that was about. And then she fixes some cup of noodles that she got from a vending machine. And, and a burrito. And a burrito. And a burrito. Don't Shout out to the burrito. burrito. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then she goes on to say how she's developing feelings for him. How apparently he works for the FDA. Or he's an agent, but he's not an agent. He's this and that. And then as she sort of is confessing that uh, she's fallen in love with him, he whips out a silencer and bam, she's dead. He straight up, he golden-eyed that bitch. Like, he golden-eyed that bitch. And it's funny because that's how, like, you know what? This this dude is so badass. He don't need no side chicks. Like, as soon as he found out that he even get a whiff that there's a possibility of a side chick, he was like, nope, never in your life. You, nuh-uh. Because this I, ain't happening. 
Yeah, I Period. think he's a, I think he's a serial killer. The fact that I he th- said he was a monster, I, I think you are right because I think he's a serial killer. And oh, think- we got Dexter, Dexter in the house. Unless no, the, like, no, unless no, no, he no, meant no, by no. like I'm a monster by the way he was fucking her. I'm sorry, no. by the way he was hunching. And yeah, you're a monster because I don't even see she should have brought the wrap up box and telling you she, he should have wrapped it up. Wrap it well, up. Yeah, that was hunting. Yeah, with well, extra the, thing, the reality is, is that I think he's a serial killer. You know, you if you know me on shows, I always analyze everything. I think that he's a serial killer, and there's a lot of reasons why I think he's a serial And I think that's why Jessica Lang doesn't like him because evil always notices evil. And she just really despises him so i think she knows that he's a killer i think she knows that he's like you know what i mean and she's always one step ahead of her daughter if you notice throughout the season she's always one step ahead yeah Mm -hmm. and i think she knows what's going on with him and she wants her daughter to kind of wake up and make some like become the witch that she's supposed to be and she's not so she's just kind of like okay girl well i'm gonna let you stay in there and you'll figure it out on your own because I don't have time. I have to jet set around the world Ain't and suck up people's life. Right. Suck out other people's lives so I can live longer. I ain't got time for all that. You're wasting my time. So I think, but I think that she knows that he's a killer. And I think that he's, I think he's does this all the time. And just because everybody else is crazy, he had to be crazy too. Mm, well, putting up with Cordelia's boring ass made him crazy. Oh yes, because Miss Fox, she is boring. Mm-hmm. She is so boring. I'm not gonna lie. I can't wait till we talk about the end of this episode because shit. Mm. That might make so it make her exciting. <laughs> I like to be honest with you. I, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch her, which is I don't understand it because she came with such a fire. Like her character last season, it was so fiery and so powerful and I couldn't wait to see what the next thing that came out of Miss Lena Banana's mouth and now this season I can't wait for her to shut the fuck up and get killed off <laughs> because she is so fucking boring well I but I think that I think that's also on purpose like once again remember we were talking about the straight man she to me was the straight man and the straight man normally doesn't get all the exciting okay okay and I and so I think that's this like this season that's supposed to be her that everything happening around her and she's everything spinning out of control so she's supposed to be kind of the boring one she's not supposed to be the exciting one to make mm-hmm. everybody else's character look crazy yeah she can't be mm-hmm. doing exciting hunching right well, i'm just like, saying like she's just boring the shit out of me like yeah. she's boring well, the shit out of me to me i mean you know i think that she, it's <clears throat> I think it's going to be very interesting to see where they're going to go because we have to talk about what happened at the end. But I, I, I'm very, she, her storyline for me, her storyline, and of course the storyline between Jessica Lang and 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 Angela Bassett's uh, characters are the most interesting character, uh, interesting storylines for me right now, um, and that that's what's kept me on the show. Um, so you know that is what is for me, but. Uh, and the reason why is because I have a feeling that there's something about her that a lot of people don't know. Something there has to be a reason why what happened at the end happened. Um, there's there's something about her, and one of the things somebody's told me is that American Horror Story is really good at doing that, like pulling crap out at the end that you didn't expect. 
Mm-hmm. So the ship will hit the fan. When you least yes. expect it from the character that you least expect it from. So that's why I can't wait to talk about my little Down Syndrome girl. Nope. Man. Oh, <laughs> We're going to get to her. Baby, that's my little bitch, honey. That, yes. She can come to my house. That's my little girl. Okay. So. so. Yes. Okay. And just to clarify things for the listeners, because we do like to use the word hunching on this show, the kind of sex that you saw with uh, Cordelia's husband and uh, Kaylee, that was hunching with extra hunch. So, that's <laughs> an FYI. Like, ew. Now you like, now it's like playing like a gift set in my fucking head now. Like, it was bad. It was so bad. Yeah. They, they were knocking holes in walls for real. She had no walls after that. But, you know, I wish that that, you know, I can't lie. I wish that I had someone that could do that for me. No, not the way he was doing it. He looked like he was about to eat her. Like, ah, like. That, that could face be fun when he, You know, you love that zombie love That could be fun. But the face that, that he made during, like, it was so fucking weird. I'm going to make a gift set of it. Someone teach me how to make a gift. And then I, that's just going to be it, him making that face. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> That's why you keep your eyes closed. That's supposed to look. <laughs> Moving <closed>. right along. <laughs> Let's move into now one of the bigger storylines of the episode. So let's catch back up with Fiona. So she's just killed Madison. There's Spalding cleaning up the mess. She's talking to herself or talking aloud. She would have made a lousy supreme. This coven can't afford that. And then she goes to Spalding. I've always enjoyed our talks together, especially since you lost your tongue. So then she's distracted by some noises that are happening in um, Cordelia's greenhouse. And uh, she walks around and there she discovers Queenie Covered in blood, Queenie proclaims, I couldn't stop it. And then a shadow rises behind Fiona. And minutes later, we see Fiona has set Queenie down in a bed. And Cordelia, you know, comes in. And they two sort of, both of the witches go back and forth together. You know, this is your fault. You went to see Marie Laveau. No, you went to see Marie Laveau. You this, you that. Um, Fiona chastises Cordelia for going to see Marie Laveau for some half-assed fertility spell. And um, mid-argument, they noticed that Queenie wasn't breathing. So Fiona leaned over and uh, basically sort of breathed life into her. She did, I guess, the reverse of what she does for herself, where she sucks people um, so essence out. She sort of maybe <laughs> gave... Um, Queenie some of her essence to sort of bring her back from the brink of death mm-hmm. which was interesting I mean it's it's it was um, she's very a, protective of the other yeah witches. it was like a tender moment that we see you know with Fiona when she's usually just so like um, um, I don't know what to call it like stern almost rigid you know yeah, it was nice yeah, to see like a exactly, bit of a tender exactly. moment with her but it seems like she's always been in her Queenie, I just want to put that out. I don't know if you've noticed, but of everybody, she's always been very tender with, I don't remember the girl with the Down Syndrome girl's Nan. name. Nan. She's Nan. always been very, like, very tolerant of Nan. Like, Nan does never, never gets on her nerves. And she's always been very, very kind and protective of Queenie. 
Yeah, so I just well, want to put that out there. There's nothing she hates more than a racist, she said. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she made a point of letting that heifer know that she voted for Barack Obama not once, heifer, okay. but twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I love the first lady, too. Did she not say that? Work. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of her, Madame Lalaurie is uh, hiding in the closet, um, you know, hi- <laughs> hiding from the Minotaur. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was all up in that closet. <laughs> she really was. Damn, she was like, like she was gone. like. And uh, imagine and, she had like flour in her shit too. Yeah, like, well, she was about to make some peach cobbler. We never she got was to about to. But I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because she came around. All you saw was one eye first. <laughs> She was looking around. around. She was scared. <laughs> she I'm not sure why. I felt a little bad for her. I don't feel bad for that heifer. <laughs> <laughs> I do not feel bad for her. I can't think of because all the stuff that she did to black folks, child. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Fiona dispatches her that night, lets her know that everything's okay, and yada, yada, yada. Next morning, Fiona calls Madame Lalaurie to help zip her up and uh, to sort of uh, basically allow her to monologue for a second. She explains that uh, Halloween is her favorite day of the, day of the year, and so she, uh, Lalaurie asks her if it's the end of the harvest already. She's like, you know, y- you may want me to light up the bonfires and put out food to keep the demons away. The dead shall rise and fearful pranks ensue should we fail to protect ourselves. Fiona basically told her that, you know, things aren't like that anymore. Bonfires have turned into jank- jack-o'-lanterns and um, offerings have been turned into candy. And um, then... In a interesting um, sort of uh, conversation that they had, the madame tells uh, Fiona that you look, and Fiona goes younger, and she was she um, basically said I was going to say beautiful, and then Fiona goes, well, both are correct, and then she looks at herself in the mirror and says, "Who's the baddest witch in town?" So that was an interesting conversation between the two women. And it's always great to see Jessica and Kathy, you know, head to head, toe to toe in a scene. So later on, we see LaLaurie with Queenie checking in on Queenie. Queenie wakes up and LaLaurie is apologetic, but she tells her that she can't quite find the words to express her gratitude and queenie's like well you better keep on looking and then the amazing nan walks in and decides to quote poltergeist and she says they're here (laughs) and the they is uh, the council of witches and so cordelia goes down and we meet the council of witches one of them One of them we've already met, uh, that is uh, Myrtle Snow. We saw her in the season premiere. And then we're introduced to Pembroke, who's this buttoned-up witch. And then we see uh, Beverly Leslie, a.k.a. Quentin, who is this flamboyant author, a male witch. And He's the gayest man in the entire world, and he is fabulous. He, he is, is so good. 
He's yes. fantastic on it. He was so perfect casting for mm-hmm. the show. Like you, he he's very he always plays it so well. It doesn't matter even in, no matter what the character plays, they also are very different. Even though he brings that same kind of sassy personality. To mm-hmm. it. Shout out to Leslie Jordan, aka the man who will forever be known as Beverly Leslie. <laughs> so Cordelia apparently doesn't know how to play it cool because I mean this was basically a conversation. She was like, I had no idea the council was gonna be here and they're like, Well, we have some grave matters to talk about. Oh, do you mean the assault on Queenie? Oh, that happened last night. She's okay. Huh? And and then she's like, Oh, um it was she was attacked by something that it wasn't human. Well, we're not here about that. We're here because oh, she was pissing me worse. off. She was pissing me off. We were we're here for something even worse. And then Cordelia's like, Oh, you mean because I went to talk to Marie Laveau and they're like, huh? And then she's like, oh, you know, I didn't mean to go, you know, um, (laughs) unsettle the truce. And then they're like, no, we're here for something else. And then thankfully Fiona steps in and tells her daughter to shut up. (laughs) And uh, she says hello to the council. She and Myrtle um, have this whole shady reading type of interchange of, of, of ideas. Francis Conroy. Yes. And then she i don't know what she does to pembroke she just sort of looks at pembroke and says hey pembroke and then she gives quentin a hug and she lets us know that apparently she controls the new york times bestseller list and um, the council informs fiona that they've been summoned by one of their own and it was nan and nan says that she can only hear madison and that she thinks she's dead. So the council begins an inquisition into this. Myrtle's cross-examining everyone, and uh, Quentin is given, uh, you know, witty repartee, and uh, uh, Pembroke well, is just typing are, away. To say that he actually, he actually was investigating though. You have to say that yes, he, he was doing it with style, but he was when there certain questions and things came up, he would bore into it. Yes, he was doing more. it with two snaps in a circle. Yes. 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 And so no one really was much help. Cordelia admitted that Madison usually went out, you know, for days on end, but uh, that she was doing better there than at the Betty Ford Center. Zoe was just in awe of Madison's charisma. And then Queenie, Queenie <laughs> probably gave the best quote, and I yes. think she was trying to audition to be like the uh, like the writer of the local paper's obituary section because she gave this <laughs> quote she was like Madison Montgomery is a stolen cold bitch who loves hard drinking big dicks and trouble if she's dead it's probably because she got wasted and offered the grim reaper a hand job or something <laughs> and, and, Qu- and Quentin's eyes uh, open up on the big dicks I saw it Yep. Well, you know, but you can also quit. You can tell Quentin like Queenie because of the way he looked at the other girl. <laughs> the other one just like, this is my kind of girl. Like, because of her answer was just so phenomenal. Um, I'm just going to put this out here right now. To me, out of everybody, Queenie is probably the next person. You think uh, she's the next Supreme? I think she's the next Supreme. So she's Diana Ross. Well, the reason why I'm saying that, and the reason why I'm saying that, is because everybody's thinking it's the Franken Frankenweiner girl. No, no, uh, I think it's Nan. It's you Nan. Know, Nan is my second choice too. Nan's I my second choice Nan, too. You don't think it's Stevie Nicks in the swamp? Hell no. Um, you know what? And the reason why it probably could be Nan though is because she was in the room when the curtains went up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Remember, she uh-huh. was in the room, and and it's made to look like um, uh, what's the girl, Madison? Madison but she did, did it, though. but she did because she um, she, she uh, let Fiona, Fiona see. But mm-hmm. the only thing I'm saying, but maybe Nan was around the corner. I don't that's know. That's what I'm saying. Nan is always mm-hmm. around when you least expect her. Nan be getting on well, my damn because nerves because she she, she, she she owns that bitch. She's gonna huh? get some dick. Like I said last time, Nan is getting dick. Okay, <laughs> she get she gets hella laid. Okay, just for the simple fact, let's talk about the fact that she thinks she she this bitch is so damn slick, and she she thinks she's so damn slick. I got your number, Nan. Nan is probably going to be an evil character. It's funny because everyone thinks that she means well because she's mentally handicapped, but I know she can read that. I know she can read Fiona's mind. The fact that she summoned the council, talk about I can't think anymore. I could just I think she's dead. Bitch, boo, bye. You know damn well Fiona killed that girl and you was trying to get her in trouble. Period. And the well, way that she said it, the way that her face changed when that lady asked, is there anybody else who knew about this? Nan's face got really weird. It looked really weird. And then she was like the next door neighbor. Like, she thinks she's slick. I got you, Nan. I got you. You bacon son of a bitch. I got you. Good boy. Oh. <laughs> well, excuse me. Well, you know what? You guys, you need to leave my Nan alone. And the reason why is because Fiona <laughs> needs to die. This bitch is cutting other people's throats. I know, Fee. Everything. Constance. Is everything as long as as long as they keep Jessica Lang as a, as a character that isn't going to be killed off, and they keep her on for every single episode? I'm happy. That bitch get tap dance on somebody's grave and blackface. I don't I don't know about the blackface. Oh no, she did not say him blackface. <laughs> I didn't know about the blackface. But I had to think about it. I had to take, I had to take that back. But she be doing take that back. Super, she be doing something super crazy. But yeah. it's something it's something about her character that's just like, girl, you gotta you serving, you're full of life, you're fierce. And you got some witty combats. I personally think it's an end. She's dying. She has cancer. She well, we don't know that yet. No, yes, we do. Uh, they said it. Well, no, I mean like what I mean is like we don't know if she's gonna like die die. Like we don't, you know, for all we know, it could just be something that's going on. Who knows? All I know is just she's for real dying of cancer. She's the most fabulous looking person that has ever died from cancer because the bitch dresses up in Chanel and she works it as if she's not dying. That's why we live mm-hmm. for Fiona good. Well, continuing on with the storyline, so they're doing this Inquisition, and they get to Nan, who was much more helpful than everyone else, even though Queenie was helpful in her own special way. She tells the council that Madison had uh, pyrokinetic powers, and that uh, someone else knew about it, too. So, we go back to... Basically, the council questioning Fiona and uh, Cordelia. And we get a whole bunch of flashbacks. We start off with uh, this extended flashback that I'm... They sort of split it up in two parts. So I'm just going to read it um, or say it in like the way that it really progressed. We flashback to the night when uh, Anna Lee, the Supreme prior to Fiona, the night that she passed, when Fiona slashed her throat. And we see that Fiona is being questioned by a different 
council, which they all, it was kind of like a mirror image of the current council. There was like the redheaded one in the middle. We had like a button up one and we had a flamboyant man. So I guess they, they stereotype their councils. They, they, you know, if one dies up, they're like, find another redhead. So, um, yeah, she's getting questioned and she references that, uh, the last time that she saw and Lee that she was off to, with a peace offering of wine. And so they all assumed that uh, it was in regards to the peace offering, the truce that she had done with the voodoo uh, witches. And then uh, she's informed that she would be the new Supreme, that she had been um, sort of selected as the new Supreme. So there's this big announcement in front of the entire um, coven that Fiona would be the new Supreme. And Myrtle Snow, a young Myrtle Snow, is there. And um, she's she's like, I am, you know, this of that. I know when people are lying and she is lying and she's out to prove it. So later on that night, she does a spell that enchanted uh, Spalding's tongue and would only allow him to tell the truth. He can't lie under this spell. She decides to blurt this out in the middle of dinner where, when, you know, just anyone can listen. And of course, Spalding overheard and um, he summons Fiona and um, he tells her that this is the last thing I'm ever going to say that I've always loved you, you know, since the day I saw you. And then he picks up a blade and chops his tongue off. And uh, crazy, yes. And Myrtle and Fiona exchange sort of knowing looks, and then we're propelled into the present. And Myrtle is accusing Fiona of killing Madison because she's done it before and she summons Spalding and she asks Spalding to write on a sheet of paper whose fault it is or who is the person that uh, cut his tongue off and he writes Myrtle Snow and Myrtle has this titty fit and um, she starts yelling and uh, she's not too happy about that. Cordelia comes to the defense of her mother, and she basically states that there's no way that Madison could have been the Supreme because a Supreme is in pure health, and Madison had a heart murmur, so that would disqualify her. And if you could have seen the face that um, Fiona made, it was almost like, oh, shit, I gotta go kill another one? So, yeah, so that was an interesting revelation. And uh, afterwards, the mother and daughter duo go out into the town to celebrate and they start getting slushed and um, Cordelia cannot hold her liquor so she goes to the bathroom starts up chucking once she gets out of the bathroom she starts to clean her face because nobody wants a little drool of uh, vomit when you're out on the town and out of one of the stalls a mysterious figure dressed in black comes out with a beaker looking thing. Maybe, yeah, it was like a beaker looking thing mm-hmm. with clear liquid and they throw it into Cordelia's face and she starts screaming out in pain. What did everyone think of uh, this storyline? What did everyone think? 
Um, well, y'all know how I feel about Miss Fox. But I I don't know. I felt bad. It's just for the fact that she, you know, she was actually. Are you, you know sure what? it wasn't you that threw it on her? You know, I, no, I'm not that dirty because I thought it was urine at first. I didn't think it was, you know, acid. Oh my god! I, I it was just like for real. It was only that much, like that little liquid. And then when I realized it was acid, I felt bad. So it was just like, damn! Right when she was showing some personality, she was starting to live, and I was, I was, I wasn't coming around, but I was seeing a little bit of life. I felt like they kind of robbed us of that, like the viewers, and kind of took it away. And now it's just like, ah, tragedy. You know, after you saw that she can have fun. Now we're going to throw something that looks like urine, but is actually acid in her face. I I didn't like it. I felt really bad. Yeah, I don't like Cordelia, but I, just someone throwing something on their face. And, and right, Spalding is my man, though. I mean, anyone that'll chop off their tongue like that just to show his love for Fiona. I, th- I think Cat's Meow might cut out her meow for Fiona. Girl, you too much. <laughs> What's her meow? Her clit? I know, but what? Like, what? Where did the clit come from? What the hell? And the council, we need more council. I just, I just hope that council comes back because Quentin, uh, the girl with the glasses, and the, the whole council. Francis Shout Conroy. Out to yeah. yeah, they were, they were just giving me life. That I love that council. So they, they must, must return. And Nan, I. Mm, I was a Nan fan till this this episode. There. Why? Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Nan just was. I'm not she feeling how she's sneaky. doing some backhanded, sneaky things. Exactly. It was just yeah, sneaky. She just seems really sneaky, and it doesn't seem like Nan at all. No, I'm but like, uh, Nan ain't right. She's you know um, she's Nobody. all jacked up because of the Christian peen. Mm. Well, oh, that know, could I be just, it. <laughs> she discombobulated. I think that's so unfair. Everybody, she's doing the exact same thing in that case that Fiona did. She's doing the exact same thing. She's manipulating. No, 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 no. Okay, I can see where you're coming from, but from Fiona. Okay, okay, okay. Because the reality is the only reason why people are liking Fiona is because she's wearing Gucci and and Prada. Fiona did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not Nan's fault that she has to wear Old Navy. Well, no, it has nothing to do with the fact that she dresses in, in Prada and Gucci. Not, not only that, but everybody talks about, oh, she has all this style. To me, she don't have all that style. She got all that style from the black folks in New Orleans. That's why she okay. got the style. She ain't got no style on her own, just like she stole their magic. So let's be very clear. Everything that today was about these white folks in this show, these witches, they stole, as Marie explained, mm-hmm. from the Kabuma. They didn't get okay. that on their own. Nothing about her that I like, but the thing is that even if Nan is being manipulative and sneaky and she's it's honey, it's all about Eve. Bitch, you did it first. And okay. now you got everybody come along. Well, we get needy- that. It's not the fact that we're not hating on Nan, not because, like, but, well, if she dresses in Target, like, that's not the deal. It's not Target, it's, it's Target. I'm right. sorry, Target. <laughs> it's the thing, the fact that that's how they presented Fiona's character. That's how they presented her as this she evil, won't. sneaking, this sneaky, conniving, manipulative person. That's how they present, that's how they put her in this, ep- in this, this TV mm-hmm. show. That's her character. It's the fact that that's not how they presented Nan, and that's how because it's bothering me a little bit. Yeah, and it's, that's not because we never got to know Nan. Well, we only, I'm just well, let me finish. 
Okay, sorry, baby. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, I understand what you're saying, and it, like it, it's 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 equal both ways, and it shouldn't be like oh we favor you know Fiona because of this that and the other. It's just a little bit. It's hard to kind of swallow when you're seeing her being so sweet and so friendly, and you know, and and so like, hey, my name is Nan. Like, what's going on? To kind of like, you know, there's a possibility she could be this evil character. And that kind of messes with me a little bit, you know. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know why. I just think because she's so adorable. And just because, I, I don't know, I, I can't see someone uh, such as herself, like, like a mentally handicapped person, being this way. Right. But we have, let me tell you, I have a cousin that has Down syndrome. Her name is Teresa. Teresa... Teresa right now, the reason why she was written up in Black Enterprise is because she has Down syndrome. Bitch is fierce when it comes to business. Oh. She will cut your throat when it comes to business. <laughs> and she looks Hopefully not like literally. Nan. She looks just like Nan, honey. So she looks all sweet and very innocent and she's just like, <laughs> oh, she's and then all of a sudden you put her in a boardroom and the white boys are like, okay, get this crazy bitch out of here. Because she's no joke. So I think that when people think of Down syndrome, they don't realize there's different levels. And what's so great about Nan's character and what I love about the show is they're showing you that you're the ones that are sleeping on them. You sleep mm-hmm. on them. You're mm-hmm. sleeping on them. They have, their, their, they have great processes. They can think it's a new day, a new age. This is not the Down syndrome children from the But Fio- Fiona's not sleeping on her because read that first episode. She, she let everyone know that, Except, that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Let's be clear. No, she didn't. She let two of the characters know. Well, she let all the girls know. Yeah, she let all the girls know. She was like, you know, she, you know, she is, you know, a bit smarter than the rest of you guys. Like, mm-hmm. don't let her, don't mm-hmm. let her appearance fool you. Oh, you know? okay, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. but even Fiona is still is still not not is still sleeping on her because she decided to go after Madison. And I think the reason why she went after Madison is because Madison has blonde hair and she has a bad attitude. And Madison. No, I don't- I don't think it was that at all. I I think think it was the fact that she she could sense the how powerful Madison was. It has nothing to do with Madison's appearance. She could sense how powerful she was, and she knew that it was Madison that flipped the bus. She knows that Madison has this great power, and especially when she found out about the fire and that Madison didn't even know that she could do it until then. That's something was just like, oh shit, this bitch is the next Supreme. I can feel her power and I can see that she's getting more and they're kind of just popping up on her. That's what made her go after her. If it was Queenie and Queenie was doing that, she would have went after Queenie. It was just the fact that she could she could really mm-hmm. sense Madison's power. So mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with what she looked like, you know? Well, I think I think it's a little bit different. I think it's more, I, I mean, the way that I'm seeing the show, I hear what you're saying, but the way that I'm seeing the show is I think mm-hmm. it's very, very different. I really think that it's by you know evil people hate people that look and remind them of themselves okay i see where you come i never thought about it you know because if you look at madison madison literally was acting exactly like fiona when she was younger and so when you're thinking that and then i think you're right about the fact that all of a sudden these powers started popping up Yes, most definitely. Now I'm like, now I'm indifferent because see, now you put new ideas in my head and I'm just like, damn, I never thought about it. Maybe it is the way that she looked at she, you know, maybe Madison was a little mini Fiona. Exactly. And that makes her, I think that's what made her the target. And then of course, but I think that's where Nan comes in because don't forget who told her about the curtains. Okay. Okay. Nan told her about the curtains. I'm tired of you. I'm going to bed. I know, child. Um, but it, it, 
Man, so I mean, now that you're thinking about it, you guys changed my mind. Queenie may not be. It may actually be Nan. It may actually be her. Because if, if it's you look Nan, at it, I'm a shit a brick. If it's Nan, I'm going to shit a brick. But like, that's, they, they love throwing things out there like that so that people can be very confused. And I think it'll also, even though Fiona may have said, oh, watch her, don't be by her. The reality is, is that Fiona has yet to realize that she just killed this girl and evidently this girl can read her mind. She's never shut off her mind. So even mm-hmm. Fiona has not taken that into consideration. Okay. She's, she's too busy. Mm-hmm. Focus. She was too busy focusing on Madison. Mm-hmm. She's, okay. So, so I, 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 I agree with you guys in the beginning. I think you're right. I think it may actually be Nan. I would, I, in other <laughs> words, I don't think we will all be shocked at the end of the series. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, is no one going to talk about the aftermath of Minotaur sex? Okay, wait, so he did have, he did rape her? I don't know. I must, she because had she had a belly. big bloody, yeah. Was Unless he was having sex pop? with her, like, with her stuff, with her belly button. I didn't, I didn't understand what exactly happened between Queenie and the Minotaur, but I think that she may go into that because they kind of just left it open. Like, she was laying on the floor and she was like, he did, he, like, he hurt me really badly. And then all of a sudden he was, like, rising up like the Terminator from the fucking, like, mist. And then that was it. What if she has a Minotaur baby? I'm over it. I, I'll just turn off the TV. I won't even watch it no more. I was like, it'll be it'll be such a weird, like fucked up part to put in the TV show. I'll probably just block FX from my TV completely. <laughs> well, like, I'll listen. just be like, no, no FX anymore. Bye. So I think I don't think that I I. It's interesting because I don't understand. Like, he rose out of the mist and then his head was cut off. And I'm a little bitter about that because the reality was is that she's protecting uh, Marie, who started this whole thing to begin with. She's protecting her. Um, Queenie went out to protect her. All these witches are protecting somebody that doesn't deserve to be protected. Now, as a black now as a black man, I support. I love the fact that uh, Gabby Sidibe is playing this character. But also, as a black man, I want to smack the shit out of Gabby Sidibe for going outside <laughs> to begin with to protect this fat bitch. Well, I don't think she I necessarily think was, was doing very... that to protect him. I thought she, she did it because she's horny. No, I, thought, I don't. Think, I think it's I because think... she was luring him away. But I personally think, like, I know who Madame Lolo is. Yeah, I I know who she is, and it's really fucked up that a lot of people don't know that she's an actual person, that she really did these things. But it's one of those things, like, maybe that was her way of being like, hey, even though you are, like, fucked up in the head and you really need some help, and, like, I'm still not completely forgiven about you calling me a slave girl, I'm kind of, you know what, I'm going to try to bury the hat best as I can right now and kind of show you like hey it's a new day bitch and if you call me slave again I'm gonna slap the shit out of you but I'm gonna show you what I can do as kindness I can show you that I can turn the other cheek right now but I, I, I can see what you mean because I was torn I was like why are you covering up for this bitch let him get her and the other half was like you know maybe that was her way of trying to like show her like hey you know we're people you know right. even though you're a fucked up person when when are we going to talk about Angela Bassett's like three four dudes 
That's what oh, I mean. so We're going to talk yes. about that actually right now. Okay. So, <laughs> three or four dudes. What three or four dudes? Dudes. Hair dudes. dudes. Oh, yes, honey. She was wearing some styles last yes. night. <laughs> she yes. Was getting, she was putting on. Okay. Let's, so let's we start that. off the episode at the very beginning with the flashback to mm-hmm. 1961. And we see a young African-American boy. He's being, he's sort of, you know. He's doing what young kids do. I mean, he's riding his bicycle home from school, and he's being chased down the road by um, um, three white men. And uh, he... Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Three white fucking racists. Don't call them men, because they don't... They're not men. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, so he gets off on foot, and he's cornered by the racists. And then we flash cut to Cornrow City, although we don't know. I don't think it would be called Cornrow City. It could still. It probably could still be called Cornrow it was, City. Yeah, it was. It's, isn't it that that in the sixties? It's the Ninth Ward, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think they had control. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, since it is in the Ninth Ward, everybody and everybody in that area know what the fuck a Cornrow is. It's not like. It's yeah. like in the whitest part of the city, and it's like cornrow. What the? What is a cornrow? What, yes. what, what is that? What is a cornrow? Like, I think. Well, I don't it was. think they spoke with a British accent in the United States. Well, I'm States just saying, you know, you know how some white people can be. They be playing dumb on on purpose, exactly. talking about what is a cornrow, bitch. You know what a plat is. Don't fuck with me, and don't ask can you touch my hair either, because I will be touching <laughs> my fist with your face, dumb oh. bitch. Ooh. Damn. Okay. There you it's go. It's all right, girl. So you can have my number. I'm therapist. City. You can talk to me later. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay. We can work these things out. Okay, moving on. So we're inside of Cornrow City, and a young mother is uh, sort of proudly noting that her son had just started attending a newly integrated school. Marie warns her that uh, she's taken a big chance, but, uh, you know, especially since the White Citizens Council of New Orleans was uh, spreading rumors about Congolese raping white daughters and this, that, or the other. But um, the mother was resilient and she was like, you know, President Kennedy's in the White House. She, you know, she said that she had faith in the future. And then we cut to a faraway shot of her son swaying from a noose you know they bring the the child down and marie is sort of looking on from afar sort of um, knowing that this was coming and uh, but that didn't mean that uh, she was she going was to do anything to put a stop to it so marie engages in an elaborate ritual there's percussion there's snakes there's beads there's fire she's drinking the fire and elsewhere in New Orleans, the three racist men, the three racists, uh, are sort of chatting about, you know, job well done. And uh, in a cemetery, we see hands punching out from the graves, and a group of uh, vengeful undead came knocking on their door. I don't know, I guess they're in a barn or something. And they go to town on these men. They dismember dislimb bite into them they, they you know their lives. they go crazy i mean it, it was very ironic that one of the undead looked like he was like some sort of confederate soldier and uh he rammed his bayonet inside uh, one of the men and uh yeah that was definitely the the most supernatural form of justice that we've seen 
we flash back to the 1970s and we see um, Anna Lee and the Supreme before Fiona and she brokers a deal with Marie Laveau. It turns out Marie was the one who approached the White Witches with a truce and uh, that's sort of the origin of the truce. So the truce, truce has been going on for 40 years. So back in the present day at Marie's salon, Ms. Laveau, Queen Laveau, is preparing a woman who's gonna, going to be attending a annual Halloween fiesta at the, the young mayor's man's house. mother. The young hmm? man's mother. It was yeah. the exact same woman. Oh, that was her? That was the exact same woman. That's oh. why she did it for free. Oh, if you okay. noticed, she told the woman, "You know, uh, you've been coming here for years. Put your money back in your purse." Interesting. See, I didn't, th- I didn't see that correlation. Mm-hmm. It's the same woman. If you notice, they say her name in the beginning, and Cora. then later on, she calls her the same name in the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that. Wow. I didn't. Yeah, catch I didn't that. catch that either. It's the same woman. Very interesting. So That's why um, I would propose that this would happen the way it did. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So Marie gets a package in the mail, and uh, we're going to assume that the postage must have cost a fortune because, I mean, I don't know how much they charge for a head in a box, but it was Spalding. It was Spalding. So, Spalding yeah, dropped it off. Because she said, said she was like some freak, like, just uh, dropped it off and it left. Okay. It didn't speak at all. Yeah, See, I, I didn't miss like, that. I was like, oh, I miss that too. We missing things, Poppy. I need to go watch that show again. <laughs> so Spalding drops off a baggage, and uh, they open it up. We hear a yell. Marie goes over and look, and it's Bastian, the Minotaur, whose head is in the box. Although the head blinked, so does the that mean? The mouth was still moving. It was really fucking weird. Like the eyes were was like they blinked, and his mouth was still moving. Yes, yeah, so and does I didn't that mean that like she can that. Bring him. He's back. enchanted. Yeah, he's enchanted. Yeah, <laughs> Cause I every, can pass on that. But don't forget that he drank the same potion to live forever, but he's enchanted. Mm-hmm. That's okay. true. So the reason why he has the Minotaur's head was a part of the enchantment. Mm-hmm. If cool. you go and read the old story of Bastion and the old Voodoo Chronicles, that's what happened. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Interesting. Well, you're just dropping knowledge. You're dropping knowledge left and right. <laughs> well, my grandmother is my great grandmother was an old voodoo priestess. As a matter of fact, she cursed the white family that kept us enslaved, and now we own all of the land in Louisiana and Texas. Yes, God. Yes, God. God is real. Yes. No, honey, the devil is real. That's why we don't worship with her no more. We'd be like, okay, great grandma, thank you, baby, but we ain't doing all that no more. <laughs> she Ooh. was cursing people and cursing children and Ooh. cursing. She, she told the mayor of the city of Waco that. Um, that, that killed her brother, that he would die a painful death and his head was severed from his head slowly. <gasps> oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So I don't mess with her. I love grandma. God know I do. But and but great grandma, I don't mess with her. I remember her when a little kid. I did something wrong and she told me if I didn't say that, she was going to eat me, child. Oh. That's don't tell a two-year-old that. Horrifying. That's horrifying. And she had two teeth and four strings of hair. I'm tired of you. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Marie. Yes, Marie wanted vengeance, and so she retreats to her throne room and she prepares the same spell that uh, that uh, she did in in the past that we saw her um, 
her lieutenant or her second in command or the, the woman that's uh, working with her in the store begged her. You're talking about not- the, the lady that was she played the house slave on, in Django. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye, Miss Cora. Bam. Like that's all she will be known for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, she's begging her not to go down, you know, that road. She's reminding Marie of the old days, the bad days when blood ran through the streets. But Marie's like, it was their blood. I used it to paint my day room brick red. And, um, you know, she's reminded of the truce. And so we see that flashback of the truce and um, where Marie was rocking that afro. Like nobody's yeah, business. She was doing the seventies. Yeah, yes. she was. She was giving us foxy, foxy, foxy brown, brown. realness. <laughs> yeah, black power. Yes, exactly. And Marie was a hero because of her diplomacy, because she made peace. But in the present, you know, Marie's not feeling diplomatic, and she's like, "The truce is over. Either you're with me." Or against me. And so, Marie... And if you're against me, you better make sure you stay out of my way, honey. Save the whole line. Exactly. Give the diva (laughs) credit, honey. And so, Marie does the exact same spell. And she starts to bring back the dead. Over at uh, Miss Robichaux's, we see them all. Rowene, Madame Lalaurie, is giving out candy and eating some of the candy herself. And uh, we see the neighbor boy, Luke, come over, not for Madison, as Nan had uh, questioned, but for Nan, giving her some cookies in um, as a way to thank her for the delicious cake that uh, she made him. And then we get another knock on the door. We think it's some more trick-or-treaters, but no, it's actually... Um, Madame Lalaurie's daughters, including the one that liked the boudoir. And they're there in their undead glory. So she drops the candy, shuts the door. The um, the three girls, Zoe, Queenie, and Nan, had already discussed that Fiona told them to stay in Mishroba shows, to not leave. And then we see that the Walking Dead is uh, approaching Miss Robichaux's. So, um, yeah. And that's where the episode ended. So what did everyone think of this storyline? And uh, do you think witches know how to fight off zombies that can dismember people with these? Well, I think Fiona may know, but Fiona's not there. Hmm. Fiona may know she may have the power to fight them off but she's not there right now the only people that are there are actually the kids and Spalding what he gonna do gnaw him to death he ain't gonna do nothing (laughs) so you know right now I I am excited about seeing what's gonna happen next week because this was a great setup and you know I knew it was the dead people doing that I have to admit the way they was knocking they 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 were not knocking like children they were banging on the door the same way they were banging on the door at the beginning of the show. So I, you know, but I, I'm gonna tell you, child, I will. I admit, this is the first time in the show series so far that I'm like, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling no dead people rising from the grave. I'm not people meeting people at the door. 
Uh-uh. So I have to, that's why I think I was confused, because the majority of the time I had the pillar in front of my face. Mm-hmm. So you were cool with the incest and the bestiality, but once zombies came into the picture, that was freaking mm-hmm. you out? I don't do nothing with dead people. It, it, listen, it, I, with what I do for a living, I, you talk about incest all the time, so that, none of that stuff shocks me. But when you talk about dead people coming after grave, the place that they're supposed to be asleep, and they decide to come and visit you, it's like, bitch, you had your time. When you go back to sleep, leave me the hell alone. So I don't like dead people. And they looked a hot mess. And so I'm a little, you know, I'm excited about what's going to happen next week. And I feel sorry for the little Christian boy. He's going to be really messed up by the end of this. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, yeah. serious. I'm, I'm being very she's, honest. Because she's every time definitely you look a up, very important character in here. And I really like the, uh, I like what kind of like just essence and that she gives to the TV show. And it's, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's nice to see a woman of color, um, in the TV show because the last two seasons, there wasn't any person of color as a uh, main character whatsoever. So, I mean, if they do kill her off, I'll be kind of upset because voodoo is a big part of new Orleans, you know? Exactly, and then also once again, you're you're once again saying that the 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 old white woman is stronger and better than the black woman. I I, I can't have that. I can't have that. And also, I'm tired of the black folks always being the peacemakers. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm tired of that. Every time you see a TV show, you know we the peacemakers. Fuck that, bitch. You didn't kill all all these black people all these years. Are we supposed to be the peacemakers? Now you- mm, I, I do. I do like how the shows bring up all these race stuff and and just showing that it's still just as you know things haven't really. Although it's better, it's just not completely better. It's just kind of masked in these times. Mm-hmm. And th- this whole show is just bringing all kinds of things to the surface. And I I do like the director or the producer. What's his name? Ryan. Yeah, Whatever. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan. Because he never Ryan shies Murphy. away from things. I love that Ryan. That he just always he doesn't shy away from things. And whatever program he does in Glee, he's the first to do things. And and in this show, he just he just tackles like subjects that you know other shows are afraid to tackle, from incest to now you know this whole race thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it, it, I think it's going to be interesting next week to see what goes on. And I think Madam uh, Kathy Bates is going to. Uh, play a big part next week i think she's gonna she, she's gonna settle these zombies down watch she is i i mean mm-hmm. what i definitely With, uh, like the Peach one cobbler thing. no shut up <laughs> i i mean and cobwebs in her cooch <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it's fine. ryan murphy really knows how to tap into everyone's version of what is scary as hell to them and what makes them uncomfortable because the way that the episode started and i knew something was gonna be going on and yeah it's hard like I'm very upfront when it comes to black history and I like the fact that he didn't sugarcoat things and yeah just the fact that you're black and you're going to an all-white school you know right there Uh you're gonna get lynched easily you know and another thing that that they kind of pointed out is just I could really feel the fear of the kid that was you know riding the bicycle and trying to get away and you know hitting a dead end and it's just it honestly I saw maybe a light 
they were paying some type of uh, homage to Medgar Evers at first mm-hmm. when I first saw it, because I was just like, Lord, if this black guy or this black ch- child has been, you know, accused of whistling at a white ma- a white woman, I'm probably going to just roll out of my couch and turn off the TV. Because I like that that story in itself, it, it, it definitely broke my heart to know that this mom, she had so much faith and, you know, these people when she was looking need to have her pride and joy snatched away from her, you know, when she had so much hope. It, it definitely, like, it, it made me feel so uncomfortable. It made my heart hurt. It made it just, it just, it kind of just hit me hard, you know? It's interesting how stories like that hit us hard, but I don't know, honestly, if most of white America really even gives a damn. It's one of those things, like, because my fiancé is white, and mm-hmm. he's like... To be honest with you, some some white people are understanding and they truly know what's going on and they don't try to sugarcoat it such as as Joe. He doesn't he, you know, if he has a question, he'll ask, but he he doesn't act like, you know, like it never happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And he he's very aware of these things. Some people they're aware but they just don't care. They don't exactly. care. They they know that this happened, but they feel like it was years ago. They should just forget about it. But it's something that you're surrounded with every day. When you turn on the TV, when you go to, to your you know to a grocery store, when you look in the news, you're always going to see something like that because it it it's a part of our culture. It's a part of who we are. You know. Yeah, and you know what? And, and there are some even some young black kids that don't get it i mean i've seen I them they just don't like get it they get it they get it but they want to play off they want to be the you know they don't want to be the angry black person they think that if you acknowledge these things that you become that angry black person when that's not even the t that's not the truth mm-hmm. the fact is is that don't put your history aside and what brought you here today to to make it a joke i see a lot of young black kids making as if oh it's okay i'm not one of those black people or slavery was so long ago or i'll let my white friends say the n-word or oh my goodness Mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things they want to pretend that 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 doesn't affect them when it does it's gonna affect my kids their kids kids on down you know 30 years from now it's always going to affect them and like i said i feel like people they know but they don't care and some people don't plan to care and to me like that that's the fucked up situation about it people know that kids have gotten lynched in the 50s and people are you know kids are still getting tormented on the, the fact of the race and whatever is going on some people they just rather ignore it mm. and i think that's that's my horror story people that choose to be ignorant because they don't want to admit that's my horror story i agree I love me some cat's meow. <laughs> that was yeah. I, 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 I can't say no, I can't say nothing after that. I think you said it all, cat's meow. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let's move into some spoilers then, because I think we've covered every storyline that happened. Uh, we're definitely. I think all of us are looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in part two. So, spoilers. There weren't that many spoilers released, but uh, listeners, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, turn your volume down low because it's officially a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Ryan Murphy has been doing these interviews with Entertainment Weekly, and they're uh, posted after every new episode. And um, 
with this episode. Ryan Murphy did another one, and he gave a little bit of scoops. Um, Ryan Murphy is very chatty, so he loves to give away spoilers. Not too in-depth spoilers, but at least a little insight into what's coming into the future. So, this is what he told Entertainment Weekly. So he was asked about the council, and uh, one of the questions was, so there are male witches in this coven? And he goes to say, yes, there are male witches who are descendants of Salem, and then there are other sects we get into later in the series of male witches that are not of the Salem tribe, but other breeds of witches, not necessarily warlocks. He's also asked about the council, if they're going to keep reappearing this season, and he says they reappear a lot. They appear to protect the coven or to persecute those within the coven who try and hurt the coven. So with Fiona back at the helm and really out for her own interests, they show up a lot. And they also ask about Madison. Is Madison just going to be seen propped up drinking tea? He goes on to say, yes, she's dead doing granny tea. He laughs and then he says, well, last week after Emma was killed, Emma Roberts, the actress that plays Madison, I noticed through my Twitter feed that there was a lot of outrage over the death of Madison. I was just thinking, well, keep watching because she's dead but not gone. What Spalding puts her through in the next couple of episodes is quite remarkable. And so they ask, you know, can you tease what that entails? And he goes, no, but it's the most shocking thing we've ever done on the show. And that happened truly by accident. I thought it was a real bizarre grand Guggen Guggenol series of scenes, but they're just very sick and twisted and oddly funny. So um, he's asked about Hank, you know, what the deal with him is, if he's an assassin. And uh, he goes on to say, yes, you can say that, but that's all I want to say. We really get into who he is and why he's doing these things. I'm not going to say too much because we will reveal it around episode seven. And um, then he goes on to be asked... You teased before that Sarah has the most horrible thing happen to her, Sarah Paulson, who plays Cordelia, and uh, she had acid thrown in her eyes. Was that one of Marie's minions? And uh, he responds by saying, I'm not going to say who it is, but that's all revealed. The big question is, who is out to get these witches? There are many, many suspects. It all ties together with the Hank thing. It's a big to-do we have coming up. And that we're going to find out the extent of her injuries, and that's going to be addressed. You know, especially will she be ever will she ever be able to see again? So it was a really interesting interview. We posted it on our like page. So if uh, you want to read a whole lot more about what uh, one of the co-creators had to say about this episode, definitely check it out. So is everyone excited about the next couple of episodes? As long as they don't kill. Marie, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where Nan is going. Yeah, I want to see where Nan is going. Into Nan is going to get some dick. Nan is <laughs> going to get some dick. I'm telling y'all, she's going to get some dick. I, and I council, council better be back, too. I got to see more of Council. I know, right? I'm a, I agree with Deadly. I am living for Ronald McDonald's sister. 
I'm living for her. Frances Conroy. Yeah, Frances yes. Conroy is an amazing actress. She's amazing. I really I, enjoy her. Just her facial expressions. Actually, I just like her face. But right. that that red that red wig though. That red wig. No, I think that's her hair, and I think they dyed it. Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, be a fence. Yeah, she looked a hot mess. Honey, but it was, was cute. Not- it worked for her, though. For some reason, that that craziness, I per- I think I have style, but I'm still kind of frumpy, but I'm still mad about what happened 50 years ago, or however long it was. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I'm really enjoying her character. But I'm excited. I want to see what the hell her crazy... Uh, Cordelia's crazy ass husband is doing. I'm wanting to know if the council is stronger together than the Supreme, and that's why they have a council. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, because she's supposed to be the strongest, so the council is supposed to be the people that protects the government. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's not a firm. The same time, is that. Is the is is the is the council created to be stronger together as a group? Yeah. Than, so are the Pips stronger than Gladys Knight? Exactly. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! You don't like the Pips you, analogy? No, because when you put it that way, like, please, the Pips couldn't even hold the candle to to. <laughs> Next, um, but like, <laughs> they're working out in the background, dancing, and she's just. But I'm just saying, front. but Gladys Knight, but Gladys Knight, she can, she don't need the pips. So, but and the same thing that Marshall is wondering, though, like, are they stronger all together? Are they going to create some like transformer, like Morty, just like fucking Power Ranger? Super suit of <laughs> when our witches combine. Well, I but mean, I know that I know that. Well, I know that in most witch novels and witch stories, what makes the Coven Council so strong is that to be a witch when you finally are in, inducted into the witch, whatever. One of the, you make a pledge, and it's a death pledge that if you were to break any of the laws or try to harm the council members. You basically forfeit your death. It's a curse. You forfeit yourself. So I'm wondering if that's what's going to play into this story. The fact that she still has to humble herself because for her to get all her powers, for her to be a witch, really, she had to be accepted by the coven. Okay. Like, if you think about it, homegirl that's out there in the trees, out there that's got the alligators eating people, she's, <laughs> not, as, she's not as strong as Stevie the Nicks. Yeah, she's not as she's strong because she has the power of regeneration, but she's not as strong as she could be okay. if she was in a coven. In a coven, that's why they couldn't kill her because her whole power is regeneration. Everything and about she's her is nuts and cuckoo, and she's crazy. So even though they set her on fire, she still came back. I kind of hope that her character does come back though, because I haven't gotten enough of her twirling ass. Twirl. Twirl. Don't forget, she's actually supposed to be a part of this coven. They all think she's dead. She's gone with the wind. Fabulous. You know, okay, I got you. Twirl. Twirl. You know, she's remember how they said that they had lost her because they didn't get to her quick enough? Mm -hmm. (gasps) Mm-hmm. She's already supposed to be in this coven. This is her coven. She's just not there with them because they everybody thinks she's dead except for, you know, Frankenfurter girl. Yeah. I'm so done with you, Marshall. Well, it's because she's too busy twirling. It's not like she has a chance to go out and meet people. Right, right. 
You can always tune in for a brand new episode of Are You Afraid Coven every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Brand new time, y'all. Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can sit down here on poppychularadio.com and listen to us talk about uh, the previous episode of uh, American Horror Story Coven as you get ready to watch the new installment of American Horror Story Coven. Remember, we're going to have a brand new episode of Are You Afraid Coven? Anytime there is a new episode of American Horror Story Coven, feel free to like our like page on Facebook. You can do that by going to facebook.com forward slash the letters PCR and the words Are You Afraid? So that's facebook.com forward slash PCR are you afraid you'll be able to see all the scoops that we chat about uh, reviews of uh, the episodes recaps as well as uh, images from upcoming episodes so definitely check out the like page and if you also want to see what uh, the actor that plays the minotaur looks like go to the like page and um, have a peek please also like poppy chula radio he's so hot he's very cute you can also like Poppy Chulo Radio on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash Poppy Chulo Radio. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at ugh, you can email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. So my fellow Covenites, can you please wish the listeners a great night, a great evening? Happy hunting. Yeah, my tea, my, my tea, my, my tea is ready. I gotta go. You're nasty. Oh, I can't trust you. <laughs> oh my god. Good night. Good Listeners, night. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night. Tonight. And uh make sure you're Got ready me on this for... crazy ass show. Yes. Make sure you're ready for a brand new episode of Are You Afraid Coven next week and uh, don't forget to bring some tea. Good night. <laughs>